I guess we are the only ones watching the movie. These guys have only one thing on their minds. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so it will instantly be outdated. Those The Rams sure did lose, didn't they? Yeah. Okay, this is Scream 101. Uh, I'm Brennan. I'm Sergio. I almost forgot my name for a second, so that's good. It's a good place to start from. Um, anyway, <clears throat> we're going to be here to talk about the second of our Oscar skeletons, but first... Let's do 10-word reviews of movies we watched in the past week. Okay, so I'm going to start us off with Velvet Buzzsaw. A glitzy coots of a film? Letterboxd critics be damned. I enjoyed myself. That's w- clearly too many words. Yeah, but I used the hugging commas, which means that the phrase in the middle of the sentence can be removed, so it's technically less than 10 words. If you chose to remove that phrase, which you didn't. I didn't, but it could be. Which, okay. Whatever. In <laughs> sure. an alternate universe, it's less than 10 words. Okay. My review of Velvet Buzzsaw is, Gay man, sex is a woman, all movie. Yay, my favorite. Okay. Um, Pokemon, I choose you. The Pokemon reboot you did not know existed or and needed. <laughs> my review of Pokemon the movie, I choose you, is, is a quote from the movie. <laughs> Verbatim. It's... <laughs> That's just like Charizard to be awesome. That was a really great quote that brought us so much joy. <laughs> I laughed so loud the whole neighborhood woke up. Me too. When was, we were watching that movie. It was perfect. Um, we woke up at 7 p.m. Oh, it uh, was like 11 when we were watching it. Okay. From Prada to Nada, a more fun and trashy experience than a sensible watch. All right. And my review of that that very film is, has Wilbur Valderrama always been hot? Oh, the the movie's fine. <laughs> okay. And that's that's what that is. Anyway, so we're doing our Oscar skeletons where we dredge up the horror movies that the actors nominated for Oscars this year did before they were buzzworthy. Uh, right now we're talking about Amy Adams, who's nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Vice this year, which I still haven't seen. Don't intend on it, but I'm sure she's, you know, Amy Adams. Yeah. Um, but yes, we're here to talk about her... 2000 film Psycho Beach Party Uh, and here's the plot of that movie Psycho Beach Party is a manic party mix of 50s psychological thrillers 60s beach movies and 70s slasher films Okay, 80s slasher films, but whatever. Um, (laughs) The story focuses on Chicklet Forest, Lauren Ambrose, a 16-year-old tomboy who's desperate to be part of the in-crowd of Malibu Beach surfers. She's the typical American girl, except for one little problem. Her personality is split into more slices than a pepperoni pizza. Oh, no. Was I supposed to say something? You just keep looking at me. <laughs> well, the, you know, it takes two to podcast, you know? Does it really? I really, I've, I've been, I've fed you all this information that you could have processed in any way. And what you chose was to stare at me like a deer in the headlights. Well, I feel like that was an accurate description of the movie we just saw. But uh-huh. the synopsis is also takes some creative liberties in how they choose to describe her. I don't know what to say to the idea that she has more personalities than a pepperoni pizza or whatever. Yeah, because a pepperoni pizza 
generally has more than three slices, right? Because mm-hmm. I only counted three personalities. She's mm-hmm. not, she's not a Kevin or what's his name from Split. I don't remember that movie well enough to describe it. It's relevant. You can find that this guy in Glass, a movie I did not want to watch, and we didn't. We we sure didn't. I live up to my promises mm-hmm. to myself. Um, yeah, the movie. Do we go right straight into like ratings? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, we rate everything on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality out of five. So for our scariness, score. <laughs> you're you're looking at me kind of like knowingly, like I know what happens in this podcast. <laughs> um, for our scariness score, I'm giving it a one. Oh yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It, it was not scary at all. No, it's it's a parody of many things, including a slasher movie. But the thing that it does probably the worst is be a slasher movie. And slasher movies aren't really scary to begin with. <laughs> it is a movie that does not take itself seriously. It does not. I will say, though, I was frightened at the end with the reveal. I did not see that turn coming. Or like you were surprised. I was surprised and therefore scared for our, for our lead. Yes. Um, I, and I will say they do know their genre a little bit more than they're letting on. Like I liked the idea that um, the killer was constantly wearing black gloves, which is a very Italian giallo thing to do, mm-hmm. which is a little more like in-depth like knowledge of the genre than I was expecting from mm-hmm. the movie, which I've seen before, but it was so long ago. I remember almost none of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice. But let's uh, let's move on to something that's much more important. I assume you mean the campiness score. I sure do, Sergio. Why don't you share with our lovely audience what the score is? What's behind door number score? Um, three. Okay, well, you're really not taking my energy. In improv, the rule is yes and, zip, zap, zap, I have the ball, and I'm giving it a four. Okay. Um, so, Brennan, since you're so enthusiastic, uh-huh. why not just sit patiently and wait for me to tell you what I gave it a three? <laughs> okay, tell me. Um, this movie <laughs> was balls to the wall campy. Um, Amy Adams had a little dance off with that actress lady, which was my personal favorite part of the movie. Uh huh. Um, I mean, in a way, wasn't every lady in this movie an actress lady? Yes. Uh, but no, all... she played a Hollywood actress. Yes. Are you going to sit patiently like I requested? Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, feel free to chime in when you, when the mood strikes you. Um, uh, um, Beth Broderick. I liked the scene where she had to clean the jock strap. That uh, she did not have to; she chose to. She did. Um, it was in her right. It brought her happiness. That's how she found her. Yeah, truth. it sparked a joy, so she didn't throw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the weird undertones of homoeroticism that were throughout this movie that I wasn't sure were there, but you liked to point out. So I'm going to go ahead and give you that bone. There's literally, there's a gay kiss in this movie. Between two straight men. I I can't just not make noise. Would you say that Brokeback Mountain doesn't count as a gay movie because they're both played by straight men? Um, I think that that movie is part of our gay pantheon and is not at my duty to question. It's not my responsibility to question it. It is not my place. Okay, but how is it your place to question Psycho Beach Party, which is part of someone's pantheon? And that person is Mook, and he's the one person who's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, fine. Uh, the gay kiss was fine. But... I Look, I literally... I'm going to take the wheel from you for a second. Okay. Because the gay kiss is the one thing I remembered from this movie. 
Which doesn't speak highly to the movie. Well, whatever. Look, <laughs> w- watching it again, I was like, mm, it's fine. Which uh-huh. I think was my reaction the first time I watched it, too. Mm-hmm. But this this movie, literally in Attack of the Queer Wolf, um, my other podcast that I do, mm-hmm. um, we talked about three movies that kind of shaped our like queer identity formation. And this is actually one of the movies that I chose. Mm-hmm. First of all, because this movie is super queer. It was... You're giving me a look. I'm thinking. Um... <laughs> It, it's it's in the very like indie queer vein that a lot of like queer horror is. It was written by a queer man who also plays the drag queen cop in the movie. Oh yeah, I loved I loved that whole scene with it was like kind of like a Laverne and Shirley kind of thing. Oh yeah, with the drag queen detective and the drag king cop. It was great. Continue. Yeah, and and that um, Charles Bush, that that guy who wrote it, he actually in the original play he played Chicklet. He played the main girl. Mm-hmm. So it was probably way more queer then. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That is a fact. Um, but anyway, so no, it's just, it's a it's a like it's a fun queer movie. But that kiss meant a lot to me, and I'll give you the cliff notes of why I brought it up on the podcast. Is I was I was but a young impressionable babe in high school, like freshly out of the closet when I watched this movie, mm-hmm. and I watched it with a friend of mine who was bisexual, and we were just you know just having a great time riffing. Yeah, Riffin. Um, but no, because like the, this movie, there's a relationship between two of the surfer guys. If we're not, if we haven't been super clear on the plot, it's basically just Gidget, but there's a slasher. So like you get yeah. it. Um, so two of the surfer guys are doing that like, you know, masculine bro friend thing where they're like wrestling all the time. And they're just like having all these kind of like weird moments of physical connection. Mm-hmm. And watching it as a grown ass man, I'm like, oh yeah, they're hella gay. Mm-hmm. Like I can read all of the clues that are not super subtle but when i was watching it in high school i was kind of taking it at face value but i liked both of those guys and i liked their connection so i, I was as the kids say shipping them mm-hmm. and lo and behold like eventually their quasi like tension actually morphs into a kiss and well that's about it because you know it's a movie from 2000 mm-hmm. but they bond and kind of like come out together and that was the first time that I was watching a movie where I realized gay stuff could happen in a movie and didn't all have to be in my head. Mm-hmm. So this movie is very important to me for reasons almost completely outside of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it gave me something that I'd never gotten before, mm-hmm. um, which was like not having my desires be completely sublimated, but be like accepted as part of the text. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's important stuff. I, that's definitely a lot to chew on. Um, I remember that episode of Queer Wolf Pod. Everybody should go listen to that episode now. It yeah. was a beautiful episode. It I was... shed several a tear. <laughs> it really was. And there's way more than just that conversation. So go mm-hmm. listen to that. It's a meaty episode as well. Okay, enough plugging. Enough free promo. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I can't take that away from you. Um, it was a big plot point. Big plot point in the movie. I'm happy that neither of them died. Me too. Although not a lot of people died in this movie, especially not named characters. People died. Wheelchair girl. Um, Name being? Nurse at the end of the movie. Uh, What? She was the nurse at the end of the movie. Was she? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that was her friend Birdie or whatever. That was the wheelchair person. Okay. The person who used a wheelchair. Um... Uh, who else? The random sur- two random surfer guys. I don't remember them dying. 
Yeah, exactly. Look, this slasher element is, like I said, the weakest element and not really a huge part of it. Um, but what it is is like a pretty fun parody of Gidget, which also the first time I watched this movie, I had not seen Gidget. And it's... I still haven't seen Gidget. It definitely helps. Um, Gidget is a movie... I mean, it, I've seen Mad Men, so I feel like I've gotten the clip notes version. <laughs> sure. No, but I mean, Gidget basically is um, a very early like teen sex comedy. It's about Gidget kind of... Not necessarily trying to lose her virginity like American Pie, but like learning what virginity is and what she can do with it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in the context of surfing. Mm-hmm. But so this movie is very like that, but with a much more like kind of grotesque psychosexual undercurrent, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. And just everyone is playing this kind of stylized parody of like 50s and 60s. No, continue. Like acting and suburban perfection. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's probably the one thing that I really liked about the movie was the characters. Um, I thought that all the characters were really fun and that the actors that they chose for almost each one, except maybe the main girl, were really good. Oh, you, you weren't into Lauren Ambrose as Chicklet? I don't think so. Um, that's just a personal choice, um, personal preference on my part. No, and look, she's, she's saddled with a character that does only two things and just kind of switches between them. Mm-hmm. I think she commits to it. And she also commits to the one part of this movie that is most deeply, like, does not age well, which is the one of her, like, split personalities is, like, a, a black character. Yeah. And she does this, like, black scent. And it's like, mm, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't happen these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah. So, I just wasn't a fan of her. But I think that the movie overall was good. It was definitely like a B-rated comedy kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. It's a B-movie. So that's probably the one issue that I had with it. That's not even an issue. Like, I can't fault it for that. For being what it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it could have been a lot better if they had more money. So, And that's just true well, of yeah, most things. Yeah, that's true of yeah, yeah. almost everything. Yeah, so like my criticism is just... Eh. No, that's fair. Look, there, there are definitely points where the budget hampers it a bit. Mm-hmm. I would say that in terms of intention and in terms of writing and mostly performing i think it does well um i think beth breath beth broderick is perfectly cast um who those who don't know her she's aunt zelda in mm-hmm. sabrina the teenage witch and she plays mm-hmm. the like florence henderson mom in this one mm-hmm. um i adore her work but i have a question because when you said like oh almost every member of the cast i had a different like a weak link in my mind that I was thinking of. Who were you thinking of? I was thinking of Nicholas Brendan, um, Xander from Buffy. He played a star cat or whatever. Um, the kind of like a main surfer that, um, what chicklet is from Northwestern. With. Yeah. The, the psych student guy. I thought he was fine. He was perfect as this like kind of stale, um, stale <laughs> heterosexual. <laughs> Just, um, I'm trying to think of like stale, all American pie kind of a guy. Like he went to Northwestern. That's, pretty much his entire personality he thinks he can i like, do like that element of his character because uh-huh. like any any like 19 year old who's taking one psych class automatically thinks they're a psychiatrist excuse you he took three yeah it's just he's that perfect smug kind of a guy uh, which is what i imagine his character would be i don't know i i guess you're right about that but i think i'm thinking more of what his character was in gidget which is like the kind of like Hot, sexy hunk. Like, this is the character that's, like, super desirable. Like, mm-hmm. Amy Adams is fighting with Chicklet over this character. Mm-hmm. 
And actually, the original name is a uh, Moondoggy, which is a name I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but just Nicholas Brendan is not who I would cast as that. I think he is best as the like pathetic, spineless wimp that he plays in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think that's something he does well, and maybe the only thing he does well. Mm-hmm. I just felt like in this movie, him playing the kind of like sex object, like ladies fighting over like like. I don't know, causing that kind of a stir mm-hmm. in the loins of the of women across the world. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't buying it. Mm-hmm. And this is not this is not about his attractiveness level in any way because he looks fine. Mm-hmm. But it's more about his complete lack of confidence or swagger. He seems like when when I was in junior high. We did a performance of High School Musical, and the guy playing the Troy Bolton, Zac Efron, like, jock role was, like, you know, this scrawny eighth grader, and he was just kind of, like, flopping around <laughs> trying to be all cool, and that's kind of how I felt in this. Like, he, he just feels like his britches are much too big for, like, what he has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you're right. I never really thought of him as, like, a sex object. I didn't know that's what he was supposed to be playing, really. Um to me what made him the most what made him sexy and you know the big fish in amy adams eyes was that he was from northwestern and you don't necessarily need to be like a sex object to be from northwestern yeah i but i think i think that is an element of his character that you really latched onto because you like to know about colleges and not necessarily one that the movie was foregrounding no i mean it was just that amy adams made that whole big deal like she heard he was from northwestern and then she was like i'm dumping you and then going with him and then she was after him for the entire rest of the movie. And at one point, she was like, well, what are you doing? Are you even serious about your future? Because I'm trying to make a, like, a future for myself and that is you know, carve out my career path. So it seemed like she was trying to be that you know, trophy wife that Beth Broderick was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think he was perfectly fine. But, you know, tomato, tomato. You're right. And I do hope that that Amy Adams clip ends up, if she wins like some sort of Lifetime Achievement Award, I really mm-hmm. hope that ends up somewhere in the real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's a great scene. Her her entire bottom, like bikini bottom has been ripped off. So she's like holding her hands over her like naked body mm-hmm. and screaming about how he needs to be a good Presbyterian. <laughs> and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That was a perfect line. Um, I think it'll probably most likely be the dancing scene that would be in any montage um, mm. because that's more, you know, for TV audiences. Oh, are, are you saying that they're too lowbrow to appreciate a naked Amy Adams? I'm just saying that TV tends to be a little bit more PG than, say, cinema. You are right. Um, anyway, let's move on to our effects score one. Yeah. That was easy. Yeah, no, it's a cheap movie. As I said, the slasher elements are the weakest and the ones to pay the, the least amount of attention to. The only like real gore gag is um, a severed head on a wheelchair wheel that's spinning around, um, which actually, come to think of it, might be a semi-reference to Mario Bava's A Bay of Blood, so good for Charles Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it it's it's not... It's just not. There's that's that, not what the point of this. There's that one effect at the beginning of the movie that really made no sense to me, um, and that was the waitress with three heads. Uh, the movie within a movie. Uh huh. But she was uh, uh, like behind a counter the entire time. So how was she a waitress if she could not leave that weird corner? I think that was the joke, because the movie is so unbelievable and weird. Okay. Because he's like, I want to kiss you. Come out from behind that giant 
booth where I can only see your face. And and I think we are supposed to ask, how does this ha- how is this working? Uh-huh. Um yeah, just how does one waitress from behind a booth? You're right. <laughs> anyway, what's your quality score? I'm a little uh expecting uh, not great things from this. I'm giving it a 2. Okay. It's not it wasn't the worst film that I've seen. I can live with that. Um and it's not a bad film by any like metric. I actually enjoyed quite a bit of it. I enjoyed the songs and the dances and all the California beaches. Uh-huh. Um, watch it be filmed in Toronto or something. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought that the writing was really good. Um, save for a few bumps in the road. Uh, it's a really solid like first film. And I mean, I don't know if it's someone's <laughs> yeah, first film. Yeah, you don't film. know anything about this director. I, I I'll ass- look it up. I assume so. Uh, but what if it's like his 16th movie? Um, well then he's really good at what he does. Sure. And well, no, you're, uh, I think I, I do agree with you. Like this movie does not lack in ambition. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it lacks in the aptitude to make that ambition work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always something going on and they're always working towards something. And I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving it a three out of five. Which I think is, because this one I was feeling kind of, I don't know, I was feeling kind of bleh on it this watch. I remember enjoying it more when I first watched it. So That happens to me so often on this podcast. Feeling bleh? Or enjoying it as a kid? Yeah. And then you're like, "Mm, what was wrong with me? No, I think, like, I think this is a, like, a fun, campy movie. I think it's, like... The, one of those weird queer relics that kind of slipped into the culture through the sidelines that nobody really noticed. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like snuck on in there. And I really appreciate that because this, this is a movie that I had heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, it Look, it's not one that like people outside of my realm of the culture really talk about. But it's, you know, in the discussion somewhere. Mm-hmm. People, I don't know, people who like Beth Broderick or Nicholas Brenda. There's a lot of minor... Like, there's a lot of roles from people who did other things, mm-hmm. like Amy Adams, which is why we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like, it takes a lot of risks. They don't always pan out. Um, the climactic battle where they're climbing up the side of the uh, giant screen at the drive-in theater is really lame. They're both clearly just holding on for dear life because they had to shoot, in, I assume, actually on location, so they can't really do their... Their horror actions, like him stabbing and her screaming or whatever, because they're mostly just trying not to fall off a ladder. Mm-hmm. So they're going so slow. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Beyond that, it, it's a fun time. Yeah. Like, would you recommend it to like Johnny go lately off the street? Um, I would recommend it if uh, they didn't buy it in any kind of substance. If okay. they're an abuser of any kind of substance. <laughs> you don't have to abuse a substance. To I like think you do. I think okay, you do. Okay, okay. I think um, the movie was written for those kinds of okay. times. Okay, that's, that's dark. Um, anyway, um, do you have anything else you want to bring up about the movie that's not super depressing? How is that depressing? Do you, do you know what substance abuse is? Have you heard of it? I mean, yes, Brennan, but I mean... Fine. I thought lightly of the term. Uh, so I think you mean you have to be heavily imbibing in order to enjoy it? Yeah. That's what I was saying. Okay. Just different words. Different yeah, with synonyms. completely different meanings. I used the thesaurus in my head. It didn't work out. Uh, so uh, 
any kind words you said? Just anything. Anything about this movie. Yeah, I mean, most people have probably already seen it because most of our listeners, I feel like, are of your caliber and have seen so many films. <laughs> and they're just listening to me. Literally someone who should not be a newbie, but someone who cannot retain information about these films <laughs> to save his life, like describe them and relive the magic week after week. So I have nothing to say. Okay. Yeah, that kind of transformed into maybe a commercial for our <laughs> podcast. Um, anyway, I guess th- that wraps up this conversation mm-hmm. about Psycho Beach Party. I'm excited for like if there's ever a sequel. I doubt that there will be because it's been 19 years, but stranger things have happened. One never knows. Look at um, Wet Hot American Summer. That's true. Netflix. That got two seasons of a mediocre Netflix show. How dare you? I know. I liked the movie so much. And speaking of um, people who are in that movie, uh, we're going to be watching Bradley Cooper next week. In what? We're going to be watching him in a little movie called My Little Eye from 2002. Which I'm very excited for. I've never seen it. Um, so it's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> um, but I'm always interested in an early Bradley Cooper role. The old B-Coop. This is a good... <laughs> oh, that's almost like if bees were the size of chickens, you'd keep them in a B-Coop. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. On Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. You gave me a look that sliced just right through my entire body well it wasn't really a look it was more like oh gosh he's just having (laughs) so much fun with his puns who am i to take that away from him i was gonna suggest we watch a nip tuck episode starring bradley cooper but is it horrifying no uh well i mean it's i think revealed that he has a small penis maybe uh in the show can we say that word on this podcast penis Beppus? It's you saying it, not me. Um, so, <laughs> Jamie Dormitum. So, yeah. Anyway, can, let's finish this. This is on a tangent. No, I'm I'm trying to. Go ahead. Um, our theme song is "A Beat for You" by Pseudo Echo. You can no, that's the end of it. Okay, good luck on your journey and stay gold, everybody. <laughs> Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit PodPeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.